0: Hi, it's Bonnie with you again today. Thanks for listening to The Leader Podcast. And to all our new listeners, welcome. If you hit subscribe, you can get the latest news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standards newsroom every day at 4pm. And if you've got a moment, give us a rating too. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. (coughs) Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. How the 10pm curfew could be putting the hospitality industry and people's health at risk. It's actually running
1: counter to social distancing as well as undermining the huge efforts and the investment the hospitality businesses have put in to keep their customers safe.
0: Deputy Editor of The Caterer, Emma Lake, says the measure is jeopardising thousands of jobs without the scientific evidence to back it up.
2: They're urging people not to get carried away and not to believe any sense that life will return to normal in six months, that it's simply not practical or likely.
0: The cavalry isn't coming. Our health editor Ross Lydell tells us why a vaccine isn't a one-shot wonder. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader. In a moment, a roadmap for how London can live long term with coronavirus.
1: This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. Good luck.
0: For nearly two weeks now, the country's pubs, bars and restaurants have closed their doors at 10pm. With crowds of thousands of people spilling out onto the streets and then onto the tubes... The country's leading restaurateurs and scientists are demanding a rethink of what they say is a misguided curfew. Our editorial column says while it was introduced for the right reasons to help halt a second wave of coronavirus, a longer term and better thought out plan is needed to protect the economy and our health.
1: It's time for ministers who have never produced the scientific modelling to justify the early closure of the hospitality industry to think again and take account of the mounting evidence that their policy needs a nuanced approach. That would be good news for London's nighttime economy and comes at a time when the reality that coronavirus will be with us for many more months is becoming ever more apparent. It is vital that we plan sensibly for many months of disruption, not take a nonsensical blanket approach that does more harm than good, both in terms of health and the economy. Good government involves acknowledging mistakes.
0: Emma Lake is the deputy editor of The Caterer magazine and part of a coalition of restaurateurs, chefs, retailers and scientists demanding the government to introduce an alternative to the curfew. She joins me now. Emma, what's the key issue with the 10pm closing time? Our key issue with the 10pm
1: curfew is that it does appear to be a knee-jerk reaction from the government and one that we've not yet heard any minister come out to spell the science behind um, simply. Um, By kicking people out en masse at 10pm, what we're seeing is that they're gathering in streets, non-public transport, and it's actually running counter to social distancing, as well as undermining the huge efforts and the investment the hospitality businesses have put in to keep their customers safe.
0: The time of 10pm as well seems to cut right into the middle of dinner service. For a lot of restaurants, it does mean that they can't have that second
1: sitting, that they're further limited on covers which had already been hit through social distancing and things like that. Um, We've gone out and spoken to the industry and 65% of the operators um, who spoke to us said They don't see that their business can last more than six months with this in place. And um, indeed, UK hospitality, the industry
0: bodies, warned that up to a million jobs could be at risk. Rishi Sunak has said that the alternative would have been to shut down the hospitality industry altogether. What do you make of those comments? I think what we're asking the government to do is to
1: work with the hospitality industry and to recognise that looking after guests is what these operators do best, it's what they're experts in. Looking at the problem that we've got, we seem to have at the minute with people leaving en masse, we would ask them to reconsider measures that would allow a staggered dispersal while also preserving this kind of fragile recovery that we're seeing in the industry.
0: What do you mean by a staggered dispersal? Well, a staggered
1: dispersal just allows for people not to say to their customers, you all must leave, operators are putting a lot of measures to ensure people are arriving at venues in a staggered way so they can be directed to their seats with not too many pinch points and not too much crossover. And this just seems to kind of undermine that when they're then leaving the premises at the end of the evening. So how do you see this could have been managed better from the start? We saw earlier in the year that the government worked very closely with Oakman Inns when it was looking at the measures around the reopening of hospitality and how people would be managed um, and how flow of customers would be managed. And that was very successful. And um, we've seen from the public health England figures that kind of infection rates lit hostility, remain incredibly low and I think an approach like that where you're talking to operators about
0: what they can do would reap rewards again now. There's a campaign that's been launched can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yes we've launched our Can the Curfew campaign this week uh, which is calling on the government to reconsider and work with the industry. Uh, we've had uh, the backing of Many major figures from the industry, including Tom Kerridge, Robin Hudson, Jeremy King, Richard Corrigan, Asma Khan. Um, And people can find out more about how they can get behind the campaign at thecaterer.com.
2: Next. People were rather taken by surprise at this idea that the vaccine would not be rolled out to the entire population because I think that many people felt that that would be the case.
0: Ministers come under fire for raising hope of a vaccine. Health Secretary Matt Hancock has twice lifted the hopes of a locked-down nation by saying a vaccine will be ready for rollout early next year and lead the cavalry charge alongside mass testing and improved hospital care to bring the pandemic to heel. But virus experts warn a COVID-19 vaccine won't be a universally available one-shot wonder that'll swiftly allow millions to return to normal life. The evening staff Standards Health Editor Ross Lydell was told it could be 18 months before a vaccine is widely available. He joins me now. Ross, since early on in the pandemic, we've heard a vaccine could be ready within the first few months of 2021. So why are ministers under fire?
2: The reason ministers are currently coming under criticism is because of the idea that the cavalry is coming. And this idea first came from Matt Hancock the health secretary a couple of weeks ago he said this on the Today program and then he repeated the same phrase on the Andrew Marshall and basically until there was an article in the financial times earlier this week people were rather taken by surprise at this idea that the vaccine would not be rolled out to the entire population because i think that many people felt that that would be the case
0: So what are the health experts warning
2: The warning from experts is really the sense that they are cautiously optimistic, but they're urging people not to get carried away and not to believe any sense that life will return to normal in six months, that it's simply not practical or likely that basically come next March or April that we'll all be standing outside a doctor's surgery waiting to get vaccinated and get a jab in the arm and then everything can get back to normal and essentially the pandemic will be over. They really are urging a reality check on saying one, that it's certainly not the case under the current plans that everybody will receive the vaccine, which may come as something as a shock to many. And secondly, that we really can't be sure that there will be a vaccine that is usable or fully effective anytime soon.
0: Now experts are saying this, do you think the health minister and others will change their tune and start tempering people's expectations?
2: Well, George Osborne, our editor-in-chief, wrote a very interesting column in The Standard a couple of days ago saying this is really heading to be an enormous political headache for the government because if the population at large expects to be able to have a vaccine in six months' time and suddenly realises that they're not going to get it, especially the working age population. This is a key point. It's going to be an almighty uh, political dilemma for the government in uh, essentially telling people that what they may have been thinking is not in fact the case. Because the reality is that only a week or so ago, the government's advisory panel on vaccines drew up a list of a sort of a living uh, stage priority list in terms of who's first, who's second and so on. The people who would be first the old people in care homes and the care home staff which may make obviously perfect sense in terms of these people are most at risk of dying but what they did say that basically people under 50 with no known health condition or no risk factor in terms of covid will be last on the list so a lot of people will be getting the vaccine way ahead of if you like Young Londoners out and about, people going into the office or on the tube every day.
0: You spoke with Dr. Nuria Martinez Allier, who's a consultant in children's infectious disease and immunology at Guy's and St Thomas's. What path does she see the vaccine taking?
2: Now, the great unknown about the COVID vaccine is that we don't actually know which one's going to be the winner. There are a number in development. There's probably about 200 different trials across the world. There's six main trials in the UK, of which the Oxford trial is the best known one. That's the one that's thought to be furthest ahead and most likely to actually come up with a usable vaccine. But essentially what Dr. Martinez Ali was saying, as were colleagues as well at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and so on, was that the, the the key thing about the vaccine we don't yet know is whether it will be useful in preventing people who contract COVID from becoming seriously ill or whether it will actually limit the transmission of COVID between people or whether it can do both and of course if it can do both it's perfect in the sense that it should basically prevent people passing it from one to another and therefore we'll sort of quash the pandemic and also ensure that should somebody inadvertently catch it then it really shouldn't be badly affected. Um, But the likelihood as well is that the vaccine or certainly the Oxford one may not be as effective in older people as it may be in younger people.
0: She also describes the development of the vaccine as an orchestra. What does she mean by that?
2: Yes, basically what she's saying is that these vaccines will go through a number of iterations and it could be that the first version of the vaccine may be good enough to release widely and it will be safe enough to receive approval, but it may not do everything you want it to. So her comparison was that it's a bit like trying to set up an orchestra to play Beethoven's Fifth Symphony and obviously you need many instrumentalists and she's saying at the start the first version of the vaccine could essentially be something like yes you'll have a conductor you'll have a violinist and you may have a drummer but you won't have any of the other parts of the orchestra so the sound that you'll get you may get something vaguely resembling the tune but it won't be anything like what you want it to be so it may take several iterations of the vaccine before we get a full-blown symphony.
0: And that's the leader. You can read more on those stories by picking up a copy of the newspaper or visiting standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. David Marsland is back with you tomorrow at 4pm.